What up, what up, what up, Husker Half Hour listeners? It's the Herbal Brothers, back with another 30-minute episode of All Things Huskers. Today, we're excited to give you guys another preview episode. It feels like it's been forever since our last one, going into Minnesota week. So this week, we preview the Indiana Hoosiers as they come to Memorial Stadium. What do you guys need to look for on both sides of the ball? What are our predictions for the end of the game? Who's going to be the most valuable player? Those are all things we're going to look for. But first, we got to talk about that tumultuous Big Ten West. What the hell is happening? Especially after that game with Wisconsin in Illinois on Saturday. Do the Huskers have the chance to take control back of this season and put their destiny into their own hands? That's what we're going to look at first on this half hour. Let's do this thing. Guys, it's about that time Indiana on the horizon. And before we get straight into Indiana, let's discuss a little bit broader, and that's the whole Big Ten West. Because it's getting pretty wild. It's spicy. We got a spicy West, which is exactly what people were saying going into the season, right? Is well, that the Big Ten West is gonna be a competitive division. And I think somewhere along the way, uh, we saw Wisconsin killing their opponents. Uh, we saw Minnesota not losing games. In the this it looked a little less like the hot mess people were predicting it to be. But suddenly, we're here again. It, it looked like a tier A, a tier B, and a tier C. Yeah. And, I mean, I said earlier uh, this season on an episode that I felt like in a couple of years, the Big Ten West had a potential to be the most exciting and the best conference or the best division in all college football. And it's, I mean, Wisconsin is year in, year out, a solid com- uh, contender. You have Iowa, who seems to pretty competi- or pretty consistently field a good team. They aren't necessarily, you know, setting the world on fire. Well, pretty consistently, they're a hard team to beat. Minnesota with Fleck, I said I thought was looking a lot better, and they proved that a couple weeks ago against Nebraska. Uh, and even Purdue, uh, they got unlucky with some injuries this year, but I think they have a lot of potential. I think Jeff Brom's a really good coach. And whenever you add Nebraska getting better into that mix, that's a dangerous, dangerous uh, division of college football hmm. in terms of the strength top to bottom. Hmm. And we're seeing it this year in that, even a team that is supposed to be easy to beat in Illinois is not an easy out. Right. So I think two things could happen, obviously. We can have it shake back out to what we think it's going to be, uh, which is is back into the tiered system. I think that's still a truth. I think there is some some definite divisions between the teams in the Big Ten West. And I think what we saw for most of the season so far, what you just said, kind of like team A teams, B teams, and C teams, I think by the end of the season, we could still see it look like that. Or there's definitely a chaos option where... Nothing happens like we think it does, well, I and think, it all gets shaken out. I think it's more likely to see your A tier, which is Wisconsin, and then your B tier, which is Minnesota, <laughs> Iowa, Nebraska, uh, who knows, maybe even Indiana, or sorry, Illinois or Purdue could step up into that B, and then you have your C, which is maybe just in or Illinois or Purdue, or it could be nobody in a C tier, just because it's, 
you never know with teams uh, that are young getting better that you see with Purdue, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, there's a lot of improvement throughout a year. And I'm, you saw that with Minnesota this year. Minnesota struggled with some of their opponents early in the year, and they're hitting their stride now. Right. So the real question is, will Nebraska be able to hit its stride going into the second half of the season? We find ourselves two games from bowl eligibility. And let's look at the remaining schedule, which is home against Indiana. Yeah. Which We're an underdog. Yeah. It's, you're, an, uh, you're a home underdog, which is not good. Because mm-hmm. Vegas gives you six points. On your on your line just for being the home team, and we still find ourselves. We opened at two and a half point underdogs. It's now uh, moved to three point underdog, which means that on a neutral site, Vegas thinks that Indiana is nine points better than us. Uh, zoinks! Yeah, zoinks for sure. Zoinks. And then we turn around and we go at Purdue, um, who Purdue's always dangerous. They, I mean, especially the past two years they have been, and they've been dangerous to a couple teams this year. They've been dealing with some injuries, but they still are dangerous and they still have playmakers. So don't overlook that matchup because who's coming down the week after that? Big bad Wisconsin. Yeah. Bad bad Bucky the Badger. A rut row. I mean, people even after Minnesota said, oh, I can't wait for Jonathan Taylor to run for 6,000 yards on us. Yeah. Which doesn't seem out of the, out of the possibility still at this point. So I'm already marking that one down as a loss. Right. I think Indiana um, is a toss-up. I think Purdue, you'd hope you can win, but you're on the road. Uh, so that's never easy. And, and they have that big-ass drum. <laughs> and that's always terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the world's largest No team drum. likes to see that. Yeah. Frick. What a <laughs> tough environment. And then you are at Maryland, who has been better than expected this year, and it's a road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maryland just barely lost to Indiana this past uh, week. And then you end home against Iowa. Do you see two wins in there, Ben? Uh, no guarantees. I, yeah, I think before <laughs> the year, I saw three wins in that. That was Indiana, Purdue, and Maryland. Yep. And now I look at it and I go, well, one or two would be cool. Which is the question that we kind of kicked that off, this this little segue <laughs> off with, which is if Nebraska can get on a roll here, I don't know how badly we needed that bye week. Maybe we needed it really badly, and maybe we can get into kind of a roll here. We have another bye week on the horizon. That Indiana is a huge game just to see if we do get in that role. Yeah. Like, let's kick it off. I, I, it's definitely a chance. I think Nebraska has – we have the potential to play well. We have the potential to, like, the first three quarters of the Colorado game. Like, we can see that Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also we can see what we saw against Minnesota, which was just kind of getting outworked, outhustled, outplayed uh, from any of these teams. And I mean, so – I can look at this this Husker schedule, and I can pretty reasonably say one in four is reasonable. Mm-hmm. You can get a win against either Indiana, Purdue, or Maryland. Yeah. Uh, you look at two and three, and you go, yeah, you, you can see it too. But then you go to three and two, and you go, uh, things start getting tough. Right. When you think that Nebraska can go beat all three beatable teams, mm-hmm. and then uh, most likely lose to Wisconsin or Iowa, or if you lose to a, a losable team, then you have to go beat either Wisconsin or Iowa. Right. So I, I think to look at this stretch of games, go three and two. Strictly is, for bowl eligibility. Strictly for bowl eligibility. Three and two gets us... Um, more than bowl eligible, seven and five. That gets us in the pinstripe bowl. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, New York, <laughs> New York. Hey, I'm not complaining. That'd be sweet. But this was not a stretch of games where you thought at the beginning of the year you'd have to look and go, well, hopefully right. two and three. Yeah. Well, if get, anything, get bowl if anything, we were hoping at the beginning of the season that the game with Wisconsin was going to be competitive. It was going to be a fun game to watch, and the same with the Iowa. Just, and it still can be, assuming the Huskers can go on a little roll. Yeah. But from all I've seen from the Huskers this year indicates that we're slipping. Mm-hmm. We're slipping as the year goes on, and I maybe getting Maurice Washington 
away from the team and getting a bye week to come in and reassess is going to help the team. Yeah. Getting Mills more consistency in the run game than he already has. Maybe it will help the team and we'll figure yeah. that out against Indiana. Yeah. Um, but the dreamer inside of me, Elijah, does say that the rest of the season to make it to the Big Ten Championship is within Nebraska's hands if Minnesota drops the ball. So technically it's not in our hands. But Minnesota... Uh, Minnesota. Their schedule coming up, uh, they've got Maryland this week. Then they're playing Penn State. Mm-hmm. So I'm, maybe a, lo- a loss against Penn State. Uh, and then and they're that's playing- a home game against Penn State. And college game day might be mm-hmm. there, truthfully. Yeah. That could be two 8-0 teams going at it. That Penn State beat Michigan in a close game, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it keeps the chance alive for Penn right. State and Maryland to both be top 15 teams. Or sorry, Penn State and Minnesota to both be top 15 teams. That's going to be a really mm-hmm. good matchup. Uh, Most likely is going to be the biggest matchup Minnesota has had at home in years. Yeah. Uh, next week, they are playing Iowa. The week after Penn State? Yep, week after yeah. Penn State, and then they're playing Iowa. And is that home or away? Uh, that's away. That's at Iowa. That's out of Iowa. It's out of Iowa. Yeah. Um, that's an away game. And then they the next week play Northwestern. That's on the road at Northwestern again. And then finish up against Wisconsin, which is uh, home for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's coming to town to fi- finish out the season. So right there, we look at the remaining games for Minnesota. Uh, I'm going to say Maryland's a win. I'm going to say Penn State's a loss. A loss. Iowa. It's toss-up. <sighs> it's Kinnick. That that's probably the the best game left on that schedule. We'll that's see if be a really good game we'll see watch. if Iowa's offense can make any improvements before then. And then at Northwestern becomes a trap game for Minnesota. Trap game slash Minnesota at the beginning of the season playing those really close games. Northwestern loves a close game. Um, can Northwestern get a win in a close game against Minnesota, who especially squeaked out a couple close ones? Especially Northwestern at home with their two and a half long inch grass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anything yeah. can happen. The there. secret weapon of, of Northwestern, at- their terrible field. <laughs> uh, and then Wisconsin, I'm gonna say, is a loss. So there's potential for Minnesota to ten and two, to, eleven and to one. drop four games coming up, or I mean, let's reasonably say drop two games. I'm gonna say yeah. Penn State and Wisconsin. They're going to lose. Um, so suddenly, but I can, talk, I can also talk myself into them winning against, I don't, I mean, Iowa and Penn state's a possibility that Minnesota team looked, you never know. Like just stop. I'm trying to give our listeners hope that Wisconsin drops two, well, or Wisconsin, I, I, Minnesota drops two games. I'm just trying to emphasize the wildness of the big 10 West yeah. and how wild it could get sure. is I could, I could talk myself into Minnesota losing four of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the hardest part of their schedule and they do get buzzsaw week after week after week. Right. Um, but they do have a bye week before they go to play Penn state, mm-hmm. which you have an extra week to game plan. And then if you can beat Penn state, that puts you well in position against Iowa and Northwestern where you think maybe momentum can get you through Iowa and then you're undefeated in week 11 against Northwestern. Right. So, so if we imagine Minnesota loses three games, right? Which is reasonable. Reasonable. If, if they lose three games, then Nebraska's destiny becomes its own because we have a chance to play Wisconsin, beat them in a tiebreaker at a two-loss season if Wisconsin loses to Ohio State this week. And technically, if they lose to us, I suppose that would be a, a three-loss season. So if we win out, <laughs> it's in our hands, wait, 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 right? Wait, wait. If wait, Minnesota say, drops some games, say, say it one more time with, a, st- with a straight face this time. <laughs> if, if we, we win out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, no. 
But <laughs> we have lost all one the one week seasons, hard. Elijah. One week seasons. Uh, we went out, and it's here's in our thing. hands. Here's the thing: is you don't play games on paper. You go play games on a football field. Yeah. And maybe a bye week and a little motivation and getting a cancer potential cancer off the team has helped Nebraska, or maybe not. Yeah. So stay tuned. The Big Ten West could get a little freaky. We'll we'll, we'll know a lot more after this Indiana game on how good Nebraska looks for the rest of the year. Thank you for segueing, Elijah. Let's talk about the Indiana game. Uh, going into the week, we've got some some mix-ups in the depth chart, and by that we mean Maurice Washington, uh, and some question marks on the depth chart. Yeah. Um, so we just touched on that for a hot second. Maybe a cancer off the team. Elijah, elaborate on, on that. I haven't heard that vocabulary being thrown out, but I know what you're saying. But explain what you're, what you're trying to well, say. Well, in the past couple of weeks, Maurice has just not been a team player. We get to go... Or get a tough win uh, on the home at home against Northwestern, and Maurice Washington felt like he wasn't utilized enough, and he walks off the field head down by himself. And then um, from that same game, there's a picture of him in the second half sitting by himself on the bench. He's all all relaxed, and his arms are out. If you, I wish Ben could take a picture of me right now and post it as the episode's picture. But no, it'd be way too sexy. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's basically him just stanced up on the bench, arms out wide, big chun. Big chilling. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want to see. And then against Minnesota, he does not have the first half he wants. He can't run the ball through the tackles. Uh, he isn't getting anywhere, and you barely even see him featured in the second half. He, uh, you've heard rumblings of maybe guys in the offense are getting tired of him. Um, Scott Frost seems to be getting pretty tired of him and his antics and just not being able to run between the tackles. He misses holes. He wants to bounce everything. And uh, generally, it just seems like he hasn't been the most. Uh, uh, what's what's the way I want to I want to phrase this? He he hasn't been the the best team player, I guess I'll yeah. say. Is, yeah. is he has been a lot more me over team mm-hmm. within the uh, the past couple weeks. And Scott Frost said during his press conference essentially is that there's a point where you have to give up on a guy, cut your losses and say, all right, the time I'm spending on you, you obviously can't get it figured out. I need to go move on to somebody else. Yeah. Scott Frost didn't say we're at that point now, but he essentially said it's time to start moving in that direction. Right. From now on, he's not in our immediate plans. Yeah. The, the immediate plans for the foreseeable future, um, which makes me think the rest of the season, but I think that leaves some ambiguity in case mm, if he does decide to clean it up a little bit, and this is rather check he needs. I think it leaves it, for maybe he can't return mm-hmm. for a Wisconsin or something like Some that. Some people need to hit rock bottom when they have no other options, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I'm sure he could find some kind of other option. I guess that's always a possibility for him to, to with the transfer portal and the way that's working for him to go somewhere else. But in terms of his ability to play mm-hmm. at Nebraska... I-, I will say, though, I don't think anybody's going to want him right now. With mm-hmm. the legal case in California... Um, with what Scott Frost has kind of said about him, I'm sure somebody will take a risk on him, but he's not getting up to a, a Power 5 conference like he's in right now. He's got all the ability in the world. He just needs to to put a head on it, I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. He, he needs to think. And he, he had a tough upbringing. Um, his dad died of cancer when he was young. His dad was an NFL player, actually died of cancer young. Mm-hmm. And he kind of made football his, his, his escape, his release. He's said, I'm going to be good at football. This is what I'm going to be good at. And I, I think... Maybe this is the reality check he needs to go. Okay, um, I, I need to start being smarter with how I play, mm-hmm. and I, I need to to take a step in the right direction and help myself. But mm-hmm. maybe not. And some people need that wake up call. That's I think that's the point Scott Frost is at. He said it's time. That sometimes you throw up your hands and say that's all I can do. And and then if they're willing to make changes, then 
they can figure that out, and that's that's how you get back on the road to health. I mean, look at look at Diedrich Mills, right? Two two sides of the same coin. Oh yeah, uh, with Maurice and Diedrich and legal trouble, and uh, Diedrich like left Georgia, Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Georgia Tech mm-hmm. played uh, community college and Moved discovered back to Nebraska. Yeah, discovered that that was his passion. That's where he was like he wasn't going to do that anymore. He's going to work his ass off, and yeah. I think and, and that's that's what we need to see out of Maurice, right? And even the struggles that Diedrich's faced this year with fumble issues. Mm-hmm. And he said, we left Georgia tech whenever he came to Nebraska, he's like, I-, I was tired of running fullback in the system. And then we turn around against Ohio state. And we put him in fullback in the system and he does it with no questions asked and he does it well. And he, he does it. He wants to be a running back first and foremost. He doesn't want to be a fullback, but he does what it takes for the team. And the team said against Ohio state, we want you to play a little fullback. And he said, okay, I can do it. And that's what you need in a team player. Whereas with Maurice Washington, you say, Maurice, we need you to take what you can get. You need to get five yards. And Maurice is coming up in the field, and he's trying to bounce it outside. And then he doesn't understand whenever he gets pulled off the field and he throws a hissy fit. Mm. At some point, you got to grow up as a football player. Mm. And Maurice is not yet grown up. If we look back at last season, when guys leave the team is where we start to find our identity. So I think that's kind of what you were alluding to with a cancer leaving the team, potentially yeah. uh, influence in the locker room or on the practice field. That is not a positive one. So we'll see if, if the offense, uh, honestly, I think it needs more than Maurice Washington leaving the team to make changes, but <laughs> it, it needs to find any form of life. Right. And, and looking at it, I don't think Maurice, honestly, the last couple of games has made that big of a difference on the offense. I think we've got way bigger, issues than Maurice Washington not being on the field. I, well, I think one of the issues has just been that Maurice hasn't uh, necessarily done what, I mean, when that guy is being dynamic, I'm not sure if he's not fully healthy, if his mind just not in it, if his off the field issues are really causing him troubles, I can't tell you, but I know that that Maurice Washington is not the Maurice Washington I saw for the first three or four games this season. Hmm. And t- yeah, talent or opposition's gotten better, but he does not look like the same player that we saw last year against good talent. He doesn't look like the same player we saw at the beginning of the year against all right talent. Mm. He looks like a completely different player, a player who doesn't deserve to be on the field right now. Yeah. So we'll see uh, how that situation progresses at this point. We're assuming that the offense needs to be fixed the rest of this year without Maurice Washington. And, and what do we need to see Elijah in Indiana going into this week? Well, you need to see Diedrich Mills step up. Yep. Biggest one is that guy now has to, he has to shoulder the workload. Um, I know there's guys behind him, uh, Mazur, uh, Brody Belt, uh, Ramir Johnson. But I think Diedrich Mills knows going into this week that he needs to be the guy. And if he has a bad game, that offense might have a bad game. I think he needs to understand that, and we need to see him be prepared to shoulder the workload and for him to be ready to say, I want 25 touches this game. It's especially with uh, Martinez, you don't know the status of, you don't know how dynamic uh, your quarterback's going to be in the run game. Mills needs to look at this game and say, this is the game where I make a name for myself and I say, this is my job. And that's what I saw. That's why I didn't see against Minnesota was guys that were on the field saying, this is my job and I'm not going to lose this job. Mm-hmm. I saw guys out there who said, this is my job because nobody else can do it. So I'm going to go out there and it doesn't matter if I play poorly because what are they going to do? Bench me? No. Yeah. I, I want to see guys who are out on that field and say, this I can lose this job any play and I'm going to I'm going to value the job I have right now and I'm going to make the most of it and that's what I want to see from Peter Mills dude that's a huge issue how is nobody talking about that that's such an issue on this Nebraska team that's such a good point I have not heard anybody talking about that that our starters are realistically not being challenged all that much no yeah no, and you hear all this all the young talents coming in we need them to play but for some reason I have not seen a single guy 
I mean, you, you barely see any depth chart movement every single week. Mm. And that's worrisome to me is I want to see guys, I want to see the coaching staff go, this guy didn't play well enough last week. And um, unless he has an exceptional week of practice, he's going to be starting this game on the bench. I've seen that once this year, and that's with Maurice Washington before that Northwestern game. Yep. That's the one time I've seen this year where I've seen a true lineup change. I want to see a lineup change in the offensive line. I want to see somebody that, I mean, I think weeks ago we should have seen a different guy at center than Cam Jurgens, even for a first half, just to see what this other guy's going to bring us. Well, I, I, I question why we haven't seen that. I'm not sure if that's coaching staff. I'm not sure if that's really just that the guys behind them were lacking. I'm not sure if it's that much further behind. Yeah. And it's worrisome, but and it's not I, really I, I our don't position see, to say anything yeah, about that but either. I in the past couple of games, I haven't seen the fire in the starters of saying I don't want to lose my job this week, and I want to see that from the offense this week, especially a guy like Dedrick Mills, especially a guy like Brandon Hymas, especially mm-hmm. a guy like Will Farniak. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Trent Hickson's going to be starting this game again. I want to see that from him for sure. I want to see it from uh, Will Honus, Mo Berry, all these guys. I want them to go out there and play like their job is on the line. Because they haven't played like that this year. Yep. Um, speaking of depth chart, Elijah, I think uh, a big question for me is what's Cade Warner's availability this week? Uh, I think that I, I, something needs to change in the receiving core. Uh, we need to spread the ball around. Well, do you know why that's a, that's a big question? It's because he's one of the only guys who looks like he wants to be on the field in that yep. receiving core. Mm. Nobody else looks like they really truly want to be on the field. Cade Warner looks like he looked like this last year. He looked like it uh, in his uh, his limited time against Minnesota, he looked like he really wanted to be on that field and that he wants to play f- for the end on the side of his helmet. Mm. You know? And I don't see that enough in the team this year, a guy who looks like he wants to play for Nebraska. Mm. Preach, bro. Oh, that's hitting my heartstrings. <laughs> Damn. Um, any other death chart thoughts, Elijah? Obviously, we don't know the quarterback situation Pickering's again. back on the death chart. Hey! He- was in full pads today. Using full pads uh, before Minnesota too. It didn't mean anything. Yeah. But back in pads practicing but, uh, at the the second string position. Still at the second string position. But you know that's cool. You want to know why? I think it's because they're. I really am picking up on the on the red shirt vibes that they're going to try to red shirt him for some reason. So why are you redshirting a kicker? I think they put him. <laughs> I think they put him at second string because they want him to know that there's a chance, like in the fourth quarter. Barrett, if we need you to go in and win the game for us, we're putting you in. But until then, we're gonna try to do this redshirt thing. Yeah, which it's it's a it's a. I mean, if a guy's gonna be hurt most of the year, you might as well use the redshirt. Yeah. yeah. But for a kicker, I think I think they're thinking if if the only thing we're gonna have is is point after attempts, then McCallum can handle. Then McCallum's it. on. But if we're in any situation where we need you out there, then sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, I just would feel so bad for the poor guy if he's got to go kick a 42 yard game winner to win it and it's his, own, it's his only <laughs> kick of the, the year season. yeah <laughs> he hasn't kicked a single ball year he's, oh. he's he's been kicking into a net on the sideline well, what a story huh <laughs> that'd be cool um with but with that let's get into a little more predictions for what we want to see nebraska indiana this is a preview yeah, episode it's about that time let's get there so let's start with the offense for indiana and i just want to preface this by saying i've watched indiana's film and this is not an offense that you have never seen before mm-hmm. this is an offense that you as a college football fan even nebraska has seen many a times before it's the every time we're gonna line up in shotgun um it's got some scott frost in, inspiration it's not a scott frost offense but you can see the inspiration a lot of motion a lot of screen passes a lot of zone reads that's the type of offense you're going to see. Uh, not many RPOs. That's not the the bread and butter of this team. But they run or they play best whenever they are spreading the ball out mm-hmm. and getting the ball in not the hands of their playmakers. That's not necessarily the right verbiage. But just 
letting their quarterback get out and run the ball or letting the quarterback throw the ball or just kind of, I mean, they kind of want to be balanced in what they do. Similar to Scott Frost offense in that they want their quarterback to throw the ball as well as he runs it. Mm -hmm. They want their uh, running back to be as good a pass catcher as he is a runner. They want guys to be versatile and be able to fit into different parts of their offense. Uh, Similar to what you see with, I mean, feels like 50% of college offenses out there now. This is not a, yeah. a special offense by any means. For They're Indiana. averaging 142 yards on the ground per game and averaging 307 yards through the air per game. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, I mean, I think that's what Scott Frost's ideal offense here in Nebraska would be. Mm-hmm. Where they're doing enough on the ground to set up their run game. Uh, their quarterback's a threat in the run game. Their quarterback's a threat to scramble. Um, but let's talk a little more about the quarterback because we are not sure who is going to be quarterback this weekend for Indiana. Why is that, Elijah? That's because Michael Penix, which I prefer to pronounce Penix. <laughs> <laughs> Michael um, Penix. He uh, picked up a bit of an injury in the first half against Maryland last week. He missed a couple games already in this year for, because of a shoulder injury. They say this is an unrelated injury, but it's unclear. Um, but he is their true dual threat quarterback. He can run it just as well as he can pass it. And we're not sure whether or not he is going to be playing against Nebraska. And if he is, we're not sure uh, how healthy he's going to be. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the backup is uh, Peyton Ramsey, Peyton Ramsey um, who I think is a little better with his arm. Um, he's just short is the thing. <laughs> I think that's the main complaint on him is both their quarterbacks are, are somewhat short. Um Penix reminds me a little more of, say, a Russell Wilson, but not as good. Yeah. Uh, he definitely doesn't have huge top speed, but looks like a an all-around athlete. Like, yeah. He can run it. He can pass it. Think, uh, think, think Russell Wilson, but not as good. Yeah. He's not a burner by any means in the option game, but he's athletic enough to run it. On the other hand, Peyton Ramsey, um, a little better with his arm, not as great with his feet. Don't get me wrong. He's still dangerous. Um, body comparison-wise reminds me of... Bowers that we played against Northern Illinois mm-hmm. uh, in terms of he's not the most athletically gifted person in the world. Um, he's pretty good in the short passing game. Um, he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world either. Um, but athletically, what he's going to do in the offense reminds me a little more of Northwestern. Northwestern would occasionally run those zone reads where the quarterback would pull it and it would catch our, our defense off guard. Um, but generally, they're going to be throwing the ball short screen plays, uh, slant routes, in routes, out routes. Mm-hmm. Um uh, they're going to want to roll the quarterback out a little bit, um, but everything they do is from shotgun, and it's it's not anything that Nebraska doesn't know. They're, they're not going to come out and do anything completely shocking to us. It's going to be a, we know what they're going to do. They know what we're going to do. Let's just go out and beat them. Mm-hmm. It's that point in the season. N- nothing that they do should be surprising. Right. Uh, nothing that we can't prepare for. Nobody that nobody on their offense that looks like is somebody that we have nobody that can match up with them. Mm-hmm. Just for reference, last week against Maryland, uh, Ramsey, who came in in the first half, was 20 of 27 throwing the ball mm-hmm. um, for 193 yards. Touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, on the ground, mm-hmm. eight carries for 46 yards. Which, yeah. Yeah. It seems like solid, efficient offense. Uh, something that... I don't know how to predict that going into the game for us i think mm-hmm. well, how do we like stack up against an offense like that just we have to play well i i don't know it's like nothing that we aren't going to expect but they're efficient they're going to get the job done and i think they have the potential to drive on us i just i mean i i, I <laughs> sorry i said it a couple times but it's not anything that we don't know and that you as a college football fan it's not anything that you're gonna be like wow they just did that what the hell yeah. it's stuff that was cool and super new to the game eight years ago but now it's it's pretty widely adopted. Um, 
you've seen it before. It, it just comes down to stopping it. It comes down to being physical with your mm-hmm. cornerbacks. It comes down to... Uh, can the defense play fundamentals? Yeah, can we run get off fits. blocks? Yeah, can we... Run fits. Mm-hmm. Is if you can... I mean, against this offense, the offense line can even get a push against you as long as you're you're all maintaining your gaps. Right. As long as we're filling filling all the options, all the holes. Yeah. Um, as long as our linebackers are shedding blocks, filling gaps, should be okay. And uh, let's shift over again to the other side of the ball a little bit. For sure. And that's defense, where, again... Not anything that we haven't seen before. It's a pretty general 4-3 defense. Um, they do like to play with their weak side outside backer uh, a little more. Or sorry, their strong side outside backer a little more outside the tight end um, to kind of keep you from sealing the edge on them. So it looks more like a 4-2 with a, a bit of like a rover backer, if you know your football. It's <laughs> <laughs> If you know your football. Um, but again, it's not anything we haven't seen before, especially with a four-man front, a couple linebackers behind him, very big 10-esque. Uh, they're not going to out. I don't think. I don't think they're going to out physical our offensive line. But I guess after last week, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a, a defense that doesn't have like a weak link anywhere, but they also don't have any strong links anywhere. They're pretty pretty solid all around, beatable. I mean, it's they're sitting at two and two in the Big Ten as well. So it's like the way they look on paper is the way that on offense, the way they look on offense and defense is reflective in their schedule too it's like this is a team that's five and two that has lost to two good teams and lo- and beat five or four bad teams and one all right team in maryland mm. it's not they don't let the five and two surprise you i think nebraska has played a much tougher schedule uh this year i think that it comes down to is nebraska going to prove that they are the the more physical team that's what we need to see this week mm. because i think the more physical team the team that wants it more is going to win this game mm-hmm Nebraska's got the better talent, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Nebraska's got the better coaching. I think Nebraska just doesn't necessarily have guys that fit their system as well right now yeah. as they'd like to. Which segues, segues me over, Elijah, into game prediction. For me... Uh, I don't want to predict this game. <laughs> I think what you just said, Nebraska needs to play more physical. Um, that's what we need to see is guys trying harder, playing with heart. And I think coming out of a bye week... We've got some some rest, some energy coming out of an embarrassing Minnesota game. Um, I think we come out with more energy than Indiana does, who had to play decently hard against that Maryland, uh, yeah. Maryland team. So I think Nebraska comes out with uh, more gas in the tank because of the bye week, and I say we edge for the victory because of that. Um, Indiana is a better defensive team than Nebraska statistically. They're top 50 in the country, and that is with a bad loss to Ohio State where Ohio State kind of just did whatever they wanted to do and dropped over 40 points on them. Uh, but against the other bad opposition, Indiana has been good. They're t- the number 18 team in the defense or in the nation, uh, defensively allowing 297 yards per game, but they have allowed 17 touchdowns, which is higher than any other team in the top 20. So, I think that the the key to exploiting them is to get some big plays on them. Uh, Maryland did that well. That's why Maryland Which stuck around. Which is what Nebraska's offense. And that's what Nebraska offense should, be, should we do. We haven't been all season. Yes. Um, so I really hope that Nebraska can get a, a couple big plays. You would think that they'd be able to against this defense. I think it's what this defense is struggles with. with. Who? Um, but yeah, again, I don't know. I don't <laughs> who, know who's going to do who it. Who does that? Yeah. that? That's my key to the game, though. Yeah. Is Nebraska needs at least three plays of. Uh, so 30 yards or more just that's a low expectation 30 yards or more yeah three i mean that's a that flips the field position completely and puts you into scoring position yeah i think nebraska needs at least three of those 
Um, Nebraska needs to get a turnover off this Indiana offense, which does pretty well not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we but, haven't proved in weeks, recent weeks that we can do that. But it's it's a beatable team. And oh, you think Nebraska wins? Yeah, I say I, I give them home field advantage plus the bye week going into it. I give us the win. But not by much. I, not confidently. But. I, I think this game's higher scoring. I think mm-hmm. our offense comes out of its shell just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The offensive line answers the call. I still think that it's a game that whoever gets to 35 points first wins. Mm-hmm. And I think both teams are going to be around that number. I got Nebraska 35 and Indiana. I don't want to predict this. 31. Yeah. Please. Please. We're going to be wrong. We've proved all year that we're going to be wrong with these predictions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to predict an actual scoreline, but I feel as though Indiana is going to go up on Nebraska and it's going to be an Illinois-esque situation. Maybe not to quite the same degree, but... I think opposite. Really? I think, I think Nebraska goes up early. Really? And, and then we have some clinched butthole moments at the end uh-huh. where Indiana keeps on driving on us. Our offense gets conservative. We can't yeah. do anything. I don't trust our offense to be able to come out quickly, but... I do. Okay. Uh, before we go, offensive MVP and defensive MVP. Let's start with the offense. Um, I don't. I don't want to pick an offensive MVP either. Because I don't even know, dude. Cade Warner, if he plays, um, because he'll play consistently if he plays. Um, I here's a fun one. I'm gonna say Adrian Martinez sits out another week. Uh, no federal MVP. <laughs> if not Cade Warner. Okay, I'm gonna take Diedrich Mills. Okay. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's his time. It's his time to step up. Yeah. Um, we're not sure about Juan Dale's status still. Uh, Diedrich Mills steps up. I think the offensive line steps up run blocking. They didn't even look terrible run blocking against Minnesota, really. Uh, there are a couple plays where running backs. Yeah, hit, huh? hit, hit, hit. we couldn't do anything with our actual backfield. No, it, it felt like there were plays where the, the backs didn't hit the holes very well. Mm. Um, it felt like there were holes to hit. I think that, that, that the pass blocking performance was terrible. I think the run blocking wasn't as bad as people think. I think Diedrich Mills rushes for 100 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and he's the offensive MVP. All right. That's good. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, let's finish her up. Defensive MVP, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been getting better and better as the year has gone on. This is an Indiana team that's going to throw the ball and throw the ball short a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he gets an interception, and I think he is the defensive MVP. Um. I think anything in the secondary is a safe pick at this point with our defense, and because I think that's clearly the strength of our defense. I was going to say Lamar Jackson. Um, you want me to change my no my no, no. MVP? no 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 I'll say I'll I'll go with the other I'll go DiCaprio Boodle I'll say one of them gets an interception that's important in this game. Before we go, do you think the defense answers the call and kind of puts to rest all these? This defense isn't physical. No, <laughs> you don't think so? Nope. Um, I think it's going to be a better performance, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to put to bed the the rumors yet about mm-hmm. this team being soft. Mm-hmm. Better, Nebraska gets the win. Um, we're still going to be very nervous as we head to Purdue in the rest of the season. Um, last prediction, does Nebraska get bowl eligible this year? Oh, uh, yes. Yep, Nebraska does it. They, they're, we're going to the pinstripe bowl. We're making a baby. I think the key, once we get to five wins, I think we'll we'll, we'll get one we'll, somehow. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll fight enough to get to one win. I think we get bowl eligible. That's enough of a cause to motivate our guys to play hard for yeah. at least one game. So we're in consensus here. We think Nebraska is bowl eligible, but barely. Um, that's all we got on the Husker Half Hour for Indiana uh, preview. Really, the last thing that I got to say before we go is that it's going to come down to which team wants this more. I think Nebraska is going to respond against uh, – 
against the criticism they face against Minnesota, they're going to want it more. And they're going to get the win. Let's do this thing, baby. Everybody show up at Memorial Stadium, loud and proud, in the blackout, black jerseys. We didn't even talk about the black jerseys, but who cares? Because I don't care. They're not going to help a team win. Hey, it's going to look sweet, though. Go Big Red, and uh, let's get this win against Indiana. Yeah, baby.